Welcome to Generally Speaking, Opelousa's General Health Systems Podcast. I'm your host, Emily Jones, and our guests today are Dr. Carrie Thibodeau, General Vascular Surgeon and Certified Wound Care Specialist. He is the founder and medical director of the Wound Treatment Center and a member of the OGHS active staff. He is also a member of the OGHS Board of Directors. Also joining us today is Marcus Farr, RN, Certified Wound Care Specialist and Chief Operating Officer of the Wound Treatment Center. Welcome to both of you. Hi. Thank you. So, Dr. Thibodeau, can you tell us a little bit about you and what you do at OGHS and the Wound Treatment Center? Oh, yeah, sure. So, I'm a uh, general surgeon, as you uh, stated, and um, and I've been in Opelousas for 30 years. Uh, and early on, when I was here doing limb salvage vascular surgery, I saw a need for uh, a, a, a comprehensive wound care program to help take care of those patients both before and after surgery. And we were able to able to successfully set that program up in October of 1993. And so over that time, I've served as the medical director and also in one of the physicians that worked in the clinic. And we're, uh, we're open uh, six days a week, uh, and we have staff available 24-7. Uh, we have uh, six other physicians that are within our group, but we also have several members of the medical staff, both uh, general surgeons and primary care doctors, who are also trained in hyperbarics and wound care. Uh, Marcus, tell us about your role at the Wound Treatment Center. I have the pleasure of functioning as the uh, Chief Operating Officer for the Wound Treatment Center. I am also a partner in the entity, um, and my daily role is uh, negotiations of contracts with the hospital. I serve as the department manager of the department for Opposition General, uh, handle all the day-to-day uh, activities that are required to uh, run a company. Um, I've been doing this since uh, we started it back in October of 1993. Tell us about hyperbaric oxygen therapy and how it works, and what are some of the common conditions that are treated? Uh, so hyperbaric oxygen therapy is simply the application of uh, uh, oxygen at increased atmospheric pressure. Uh, technology's been around for over 150 years. Um, it was brought into... Um, Clinical practice, uh, following some work by some naval uh, surgeons uh, in working with um, Vietnam casualties, and they uh, instituted hyperbaric therapy to help with uh, recovery from infections and from these horrific wounds. Their work subsequently led to the introduction of hyperbaric therapy to the civilian population, um, and the most common conditions that we see are what's called progressive necrotizing infections, which also includes gas gangrene, surgical procedures that have a complication where, say, you do a flap for a reconstruction and it gets ischemic or or starts to fall apart. Um, uh, Bone infections, especially ones that have failed conventional therapy, patients who suffer from complications from radiation therapy, either uh, radiation uh, proctitis where they're bleeding from their stool or radiation cystitis where they're bleeding from their urine. Uh, And then women who undergo radiation for breast cancer can develop what's called radiation mastitis. Um, Some of the other conditions that we see are um, the result of uh, complications from uh, uh, advanced surgeries, uh, as well as patients who suffer uh, arterial insufficiencies, whether they've lost blood flow to a part of their body, usually the lower extremity, 
uh, and also as complications from interventions by um, endovascular specialists who are trying to restore blood flow. Oftentimes you can uh, dislodge debris, which can then cause uh, tissue compromise. And so um, hyperbaric therapy can help with that. So I understand that hyperbaric oxygen therapy was used in the treatment of COVID-19 patients. Can you tell us about that? We were the uh, first hyperbaric department in the world that utilized uh, hyperbaric oxygen therapy for uh, patients with COVID-19 to um, try to eliminate them from deteriorating any further and end up needing mechanical ventilation. Um, we treated a total of 45 patients here. Um, very rewarding to see our early results. Uh, two of the first patients were actually staff members at Office General that were um, deteriorating relatively quick, and we were able to uh, implement the therapy and have them have a full recovery. From, from that experience of those 45 patients, uh, we had an article published with the first five patients and their results. And Dr. Thibodeau and I were uh, both invited to participate under uh, for a, a one-day-long um, webinar for the Undersea Hyperbaric Medical Society, which is the governing body over hyperbarics across the world. Uh, there were participants from all over the world that uh, listened in on our call, uh, gave them our experiences, uh, the protocols we set up to safely transport patients to and from the intensive care unit, uh, disinfecting processes we used to ensure the uh, hyperbaric chambers and the room was uh, safe to come back into for staff and also for patients for the next day. And so interestingly enough, the, this whole uh, concept or the idea of treating patients that are having respiratory problems from viral illness um, really dates back to the last pandemic. So there was a surgeon and anesthesiologist uh, who was uh, uh, responsible for the first use of hyperbaric therapy in the Spanish flu. So this dates back to like 1920. So his name was Orville Cunningham. So he uh, realized that um, patients who were suffering from the uh, Spanish flu had a lack of oxygen. And he knew from studying uh, the, the physics of hyperbarics, which is all based on gas laws, that if he could expose these patients to oxygen at increased pressure, he could drive oxygen into the tissue, into the blood, and help these people uh, recover from, from this influenza. And remember, at the time, there was no ventilators or mechanical ventilation. That was still decades away. And so uh, his work was highly publicized then and is still available uh, for those of us who are interested in that kind of history. But um, it, it was nice to be able to build on his groundbreaking work a century ago and then to actually be the first center in America to revive that therapy for patients to help keep them off the ventilator and subsequently help keep them alive was, was probably one of the highlights of my career. Um, and uh, as Marcus said, we, we did get a lot of traction and notoriety and had uh, physicians from, from all over the planet um, uh, contacting us about how we were able to do it, what were our outcomes, what were the precautions that Marcus talked about. Uh, and so um, 
So that that was uh, that was quite quite something. Well, that is amazing. So, if someone is searching for more information or is in need of hyperbaric oxygen therapy or wound care, what should they do? Well, we have someone on the phones uh, all day, almost every day, so they can call the center directly uh, at 337-948-5100 and and talk to our staff, uh, see about setting up um, an appointment. We don't require physician referrals unless your insurance does, but our staff knows which ones do and which ones don't. So you can either ask your doctor to refer you to us, or if you are you think you or a loved one would benefit from it, you can call and we'll set up an appointment as soon as possible. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for being here today. Uh, that is all the questions we have. Thank you for joining us today, and we'll see you on the next episode of Generally Speaking. Mm-hmm.